What's going on, everybody? This is a brand new episode of the 1001 Films Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Gardner, and today we're continuing our Christopher Nolan series with Batman Begins, the first Batman movie and Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, starring Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne, as Batman, with a whole bunch of other people, a great cast, Katie Holmes as uh, Bruce Wayne's love interest, Rachel, um, Michael Caine as Alfred, you've got Killian Murphy in there, you got Liam Neeson, Morgan Freeman, it's an excellent cast, it's an excellent film, uh, and I'm going to tell you guys my thoughts and how this film really changed comic book movies and really ushered in this new uh, era of comic book films and how uh, they can be uh, grounded and gritty and realistic, and I'm just going to get all into it, and I hope you guys like this episode, so let's do it. So this film is a bit of a departure from Christopher Nolan's previous films. Um, it has a lot bigger production uh, budget, uh, bigger production design, bigger sets, more costumes, you know, and he's really able to open up his imagination and kind of expand his horizons for the first time in this film. Um, this is really the first time that a big studio has really trusted him with a large uh, franchise like this, like Batman. Um, and this is really important because this film came out in 2005. Um, it was only eight years after the atrocious uh, Batman and Robin, um, you know, with George Clooney and and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman, and, and, you know, and all of that uh, just disastrous um, cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon of a movie of Batman and Robin by Joel Schumacher. And this is a complete 180 from that. Um, and you can thank films like Blade and the first uh, the first couple X-Men films that really kind of turned the tide on comic book movies. Because in the late 90s, like, they were all like that Joel Schumacher Batman film. You know, Batman Forever, Batman R Robin, they were just all kind of goofy and no one really took them seriously. But when Batman Begins comes out in 2005 and, you know, like I said, Blade and the X-Men films... They really showed that these films don't have to be goofy or corny or cartoony. That you could tell real legitimate stories with serious themes through um, through the lens of a, of comic book characters, kind of with the skin of of comic book uh, characters over top of these themes. Um, and we really have Batman to be, begins to really thank for. Um, all of these movies that have come along since, uh, you know, most recently Joker and uh, films like Logan. Like, those films would have never gotten made if they weren't first started um, or kind of uh, precursored by, you know, X-Men and Blade and, uh, and Batman Begins. Um, so... But the thing, you know, and this is the, the first time that uh, 
Christopher Nolan has worked with Michael Caine, and Michael Caine has literally been in everything uh, that Christopher Nolan has made since. Um, so all, th all three Batman movies, uh, Prestige, Interstellar, um, you know, Inception, he's literally been in everything that Christopher Nolan has made, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be in Tenet here coming up, so, you know, I'm pretty sure they're going to be the you know, working together until, you know, until the end of time, honestly. It's also the first time that Christopher Nolan has worked with Hans Zimmer, um, and Hans Zimmer has also done all of the music for uh, all of Christopher Nolan's films, except for Dunkirk. I think Hans Zimmer was too busy doing another movie, possibly uh, Justice League, um, to be able to do... Uh, Dunkirk, but that's besides the point. Um, but the th and the things that really remain uh, the same. There's all these new things that he's able to do, but the things that really m remain the same that come through in his in all of his films, especially his previous films, and now this one is the the character, the strong characters, uh, the deep character development. And the very strong, engaging, interesting dialogue, um, and those both of those things in this film really uh, make this film a different, or really what sets it apart as not just a comic book film, um, but an actual true engaging story is the character of Bruce Wayne. Uh, and that this movie isn't just a Batman movie. And I would argue that it, it's not a Batman movie. That it is a Bruce Wayne movie. I know it's called Batman Begins, and there's a lot of action scenes with Batman in it. But the character at the center of the story is Bruce Wayne. And his journey to becoming Batman, to becoming this Dark Knight, this protector of Gotham. Um, and the line between Batman and Bruce Wayne kind of gets blurred towards the end of this film, and even more so as we get into The Dark Knight, um, that uh, we really take this grounded, in reality, deep dive into like the, the psychology and the, and the motivations of Bruce Wayne and Batman, and this film does a really good job, uh, like I said, of blurring the line between Bruce Wayne and Batman, and that uh, even at the end of the film, uh, Katie Holmes' character, Rachel, says that Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman is the real man. Uh, that Bruce, and there you can see throughout the film, uh, especially when Michael Caine, Alfred, uh, you know, tells Bruce Wayne, you know, maybe if you pretend to have some fun, you might actually have some by accident. Like, that is, that is a, a perfect line to describe how Bruce Wayne is the mask. This public persona of this rich trust fund kid, um, you know, this billionaire playboy, that is the mask. That's not the real Bruce Wayne. The real Bruce Wayne is in the Batcave doing detective work, fighting crime at night, you know, wearing the bat suit, you know, donning the cowl and the cape. You know, that's the real Batman. And this film, through its character development, uh, all the way back from when Bruce Wayne is a kid and his journey, you know, to me, uh, you know, uh, falling in the well, and, you know, having seen his parents die, and then running away from Gotham, becoming a criminal, and, you know, finally meeting Ra's al Ghul, uh, 
but you need that to really understand the character of Batman. You can't just jump right in to a Batman film and expect the audience to understand the motivations of this of this man. You know, you have to have all of that backstory. And I really like that it's not rushed. It takes its time, and it really develops the Bruce Wayne character. Um, and a major theme kinda, to kind of go along with that throughout the film is fear. What fear does to people. What fear can uh, do to a society. What people are doing, what people are willing to do in the face of fear. Um, and there's three, three characters that they really focus on. Uh, that are kind of the center of uh, this fear theme. Uh, well, really four, uh, but f the first one I want to talk about is Falcone, uh, the mob boss, is that he uses fear uh, to intimidate people, to gain power, you know, to buy off judges and police officers and people like that. Like, his power... Uh, creates more fear, and he uses his fear to gain more power. And he explains that in that excellent scene in the bar, uh, when Bruce, right before Bruce Wayne runs away, when Bruce Wayne goes in to confront him, um, is that that back and forth, that dialogue uh, between the two, is that he really just sets out like, people are afraid of me, and that's why I have power. My fear gives me my power. My power makes people afraid of me. Um, and kind of by extension, uh, kind of through Ra's al Ghul and through Falcone, um, uh, Dr. Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow, uses fear to manipulate people. Um, you know, Ra's al Ghul and Falcone both kind of use uh, Dr. Crane to, uh, to manipulate uh, their cronies and their uh, people who are going to testify you know, against them or whatever, he uses the fear toxin to, uh, to make them go crazy, um, and to manipulate them, and, uh, but Batman is different from those three, from Falcone and Ra's al Ghul and the Scarecrow, uh, because he, he uses fear to fight crime, and he uses his own fear to fight crime, he projects out his fear of bats, um, to use that fear to frighten the criminals and to become a symbol of fear. Um, and uh, But the difference is is that he doesn't cross a line. He doesn't go too far. Is that uh, What's discussed in the film is that he has compassion. And that's what separates uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman from those other three, is that those other three... Uh, Ra's al Ghul, Falcone, and the Scarecrow, they don't, they don't have compassion for the people they're projecting their fear onto, or they're terrorizing. Um, you know, they're terrorists, essentially. Uh, and, but Batman is right on that edge of being a terrorist, because he uses fear to get a result that he wants, but because he doesn't kill people, and you could say that it is for the betterment of his city, you know, does the ends justify the means? You know, that's uh, another theme that has always been discussed throughout, you know, the history of Batman. Um, and it's not really explored that much here, uh, except for the fact that, you know, uh, Batman uses the fear to kind of 
uh, create this symbol of of the Batman to kind of prevent crime uh, as a preventative against uh, you know the criminals. They you know they don't know when he's going to show up or where he's going to be or what he is really. Um, so that's that's uh, really what separates him from the other three is that he has that compassion and he won't kill. Um, and just overall, the performances, uh, the actors, the acting is overall is, pre- is pretty good. Uh, it's really good from especially Christian Bale and Michael Caine. They are perfectly cast as Bruce Wayne and Alfred. Um, and their relationship and their chemistry is excellent. Um, you know, they are able to make jokes with each other, but but not be goofy. But that's a problem I have with a lot of these uh, comic book movies today and, you know, a few in the past. Or even just, you know, action, uh, action drama movies in general is that when they... It's important to have... Uh, comedic relief and you know even in horror movies it's it's okay to have a laugh every once in a while because it releases that tension it eases you know the the audience back into the sense of okay this movie is fun you know it's entertaining it's not just so so down and dire and harsh and depressing you know people generally don't like to come out of a movie feeling depressed um so in movies like this, action comic book movies, um, it's important to have comedic relief. But when it goes too far, when it's to a point where it's goofy, you know, Batman versus Superman, you know, Jesse Eisenberg, you know, as Lex Luthor, that's you know, that is, uh, you know, like like I was saying before, Jim Carrey and Joel Schumacher's, you know, Batman Forever playing the Riddler, goofy. That's too goofy. Um, but the the jokes between uh, Michael Caine and uh, Christian Bale, and even Christian Bale and Lucius Fox, you know, Morgan Freeman, uh, that kind of humor is good. It makes you chuckle. It's not going to make you, you know, guffaw, like, out, you know, laugh out loud. Um, but it's just, it's just enough just to ease the tension and let you know that these... That, uh, that these characters have a special relationship with each other. And also, another thing that really lets you know that they have a special relationship is that Alfred is not afraid to push back um, when he believes that Bruce has gone too far with this Batman thing. And it's, it's uh, something that's uh, kind of only really touched on in this film, but is really uh, deeply explored in... Uh, the Dark Knight in the next film. So I really think uh, that their relationship is really good and their acting is excellent. And uh, this film kind of revamped Liam Neeson's career. Liam Neeson plays Ra's al Ghul. Um, and he has a lot of fight scenes, a lot of training scenes with Bruce Wayne and Batman. And it's just really cool to see how this film is kind of the jumping jumping off point for Liam Neeson to his, you know, the second, uh, second half of his career as an action movie star. You know, he was in, uh, you know, he's been in Taken and Nonstop and, uh, you know, um, 
uh, I'll Walk Among the Tombstones, and he's had a, you know a few other films like that where he's just an action star, and this movie kind of really showed that he can still do that even at his age. You know, he's still an excellent actor. He can still do action. So that's really cool. And, uh, you know, people bag on Katie Holmes a lot in this movie, but she's she's honestly pretty good. She's serviceable. Rachel's character really doesn't have a lot to do in this film. She has much more to do in the next film. She's a much more integral part of the plot in The Dark Knight than she is in this film. So Katie Holmes is passable. Um, she's not... Uh, horrible, you know, I think people are too hard on her, but, um, you know, just at the time the movie came out, she it was all cuckoo-cachoo with her and uh, Tom Cruise, so maybe that played a little bit into it now, you know, many years separated from all of that craziness, um, it's, her character and her acting is, uh, is serviceable, it's passable, she's, she's okay, um, and there's just a couple more things I wanted to talk about, uh, so the practical effects in this movie, the special effects in this movie are excellent, Christopher Nolan, uh, likes to put as much, uh, in-camera effects as possible, meaning that he likes to be on real sets, you know, with real vehicles, real explosions, um, you know, real stuntmen and all of that, and this is really the first film where you really get to experience all of that, his talent for that kind of thing, um, you know, and in all of his subsequent movies, um, it's really going to shine through much more, especially in films like uh, Interstellar and Inception, like those uh, special effects in those films are incredible, Um and this is really the first time in his career that he really gets to flex those kind of those muscles. Um, you know, the sound design, especially of the chase scenes and of the tumbler, are excellent. That kind of, that kind of revving noise that is like, it, there's no shifting of the gears. It's just revving. It, it makes it sound like the, the tumbler is like this unstoppable force. <coughs> um, it's just incredible. Um, and the wire work with Batman when he's flying around. You can tell that a lot of times that it's stuntmen on wires or even Christian Bale in the Batsuit on the on wires um, and that it's not CGI. And, um, you know, I am of the mindset that, that uh, CGI and special effects like that should only be used uh, when it, it is impossible to do it in person. Um, I know uh, stunts are dangerous, and, you know, stuntmen, you know, risk their lives and work really hard. Um, but I really think that for the quality of the film uh, and for the final product, it is always better to do it for real than to do it in post, um, you know, and render it in, uh, in CGI afterwards. I just really like that it just makes this film just seem more real. Um... And the last point that I want to make is really the main theme of this movie. Um, and it's the, it's a line that's said a couple times in the film. Um, and it goes, it's not, it's, this is Batman speaking, um, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Uh, and that reminded me of the line from 
Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, where Dumbledore is talking to Harry, um, and he says that it is not our abilities that make us who we are, it is our choices. So both of those lines really speak to the same thing. You know, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. And when Batman says that, said it uh, at the end of the film, I realized that it works both ways. Whether it's been said by Batman or Bruce Wayne, you know, uh, when Batman says it, it doesn't matter that Batman is Bruce Wayne. It doesn't matter that it's Bruce Wayne underneath the mask. It's what Batman is doing. It's his motivations. It's his purpose for doing what he's doing uh, that really defines him. <coughs> and even if Bruce Wayne says it, it doesn't matter that he's a rich, you know, trust fund kid. It doesn't matter that he's a billionaire playboy. It doesn't matter that he's, you know, this kind of central figure of, um, of Gotham High Society. Uh, it's what he does with that money and with that power and with that privilege that really defines who he is. Um, you know, and that, and that is the central theme of this film that, you know, it's your, it's your actions and it's your choices and it's your motivations behind what you do that make you who you are. It's not where you come from. It's not what you look like. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who's underneath that mask. It could be anybody that is Batman. It is the symbol of Batman. It is the purpose and the motivations of Batman that really matter. And I just love that uh, that, that was the kind of the central theme of this film. Um, and it really works. This film really works really well. It still holds up. You know, it's 15 years old. Uh, but it it could come out today and it would still be a smash hit. You know, uh, so I just really enjoyed this film. Overall, I really enjoyed the performances, the practical effects, the themes. Um, I really en enjoyed rewatching it because it had been a long time since I just sat down and rewatched this one. Usually, when I go back and watch the Dark Knight trilogy, it's usually the Dark Knight. And it had been a minute since I had seen Batman begin, so I was really glad to be able to talk about this film for you guys and. Uh, kind of give you guys my thoughts. Thank you guys so much for listening. You know, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at SMG Reviews and check back here every Monday and Wednesday for brand new episodes of the 1001 Films Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time.